All right. Actually, if you go to um, Mark 3, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue on um, some things I started last week. And in fact, some of what, what's already been said here really kind of connects in with some of the things I'm going to share. I'm a little bit restricted here in the corner. I can't quite move around as much. <laughs> but like I said, I'll get pushed out the door soon, but that's all right. Uh, Mark chapter 3. Now, um, just while you go there, um, I'm just going to read to you James 5, 7, which most of you probably have heard before. Uh, it says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. I'm sure most of you have heard that verse before, yeah? But what really, what, what I, I just wanted to highlight out of that verse is the word precious. Precious fruit. What is the fruit? What is the fruit of the earth? People. It's what we were talking about last week. God's heart is people, yeah? And, and God so loved the world. Doesn't mean he, you know, just loved the rock planet. He loved the people that he sent his only begotten son. The people are precious, aren't they? People are valuable. And, and uh, you know, those, those, those hurting people, uh, you know, the drug addicts, the prostitutes, whatever they are, they're precious. They, be, be, behind, even, even those hardened walls and that hatred and the anger is a precious person. And it is actually so important that this is why I'm, I'm teaching some of the things that I'm teaching now. You know, we could teach in faith, righteous. We do all that kind of stuff as well. But I really, there's some things in my heart that I wanted to deal with because I want us to be a people-orientated church. I want people to be precious to us, people to be valuable to us. I don't, I don't ever want us to just be a, a, a holy club <laughs> where it's kind of all about me, come and get comfortable. You know, and, and of course, you're going to come and get fed. You're going to receive from the word. But we also want to be the kind of environment that anybody can come in here and, 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 and we value and we treat them as precious. They can be touched by God. Anyone's important. Everyone is precious. Amen. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's so easy sometimes, you know, we all do it. OK, like was mentioned yeah, when, the, when the, the guy came in and he's got his satanic cross upside down and whatever else and and and, and you know the, like i said the two women in the church were like Ooh, you know <laughs> we, we all we we kind of have those reactions but you know what behind that person behind that satanic cross of that guy who came in thank god he got saved is a precious person that the enemy has captivated he's blinded he, he's he's been manipulated by the enemy and it's so important there's some things that i want to share from the from from, from the word today uh, that that I think are, are quite important for us to really get a hold of in, in 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 some things. I'm not just talking about evangelism and the heart of God, but obviously there are a lot of people in here got a heart for evangelism, and I thank God. It's amazing how many people God has connected into this group who've got a heart for outreach and evangelism. And 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 we got you know we we need to do more of it, reach people. Okay, um, I don't want to sit and spend. We could spend all day, all night arguing over doctrine and who believes what and who believes this. But the enemy can get us so sidetracked on those things. But there are people that are important, and you know, I, it's it's it amazes me. I'm going to say this now, but I'm going to explain some of it in a minute. But you know, I I personally believe we are. <laughs> Right at the end of the end of the end of the end of the last days, <laughs> I believe we're we're in an important time. I believe we're you know we're of course, we're closer to the return of Jesus than we've ever been, and and and, and there are things that God wants to do. But you know I've heard people 
that that talk about oh it's urgent we're, we're, we're you know we got to we're, we're close to the return of Jesus and you know God's trying to do some things but it's amazing sometimes in in their urgency they seem to lose their love and compassion and get hard on people okay now this is something we cannot lose some of the core values of Christianity and just because it's urgent, just because the day that we're living in is urgent doesn't mean we get harder on people and, and we get more judgmental. Okay? We still need to really grab a hold of and, and capture some things that this is why I want us to look at some things in Scripture. In fact, so if you go to Mark 3, I've been using this from last week as kind of the, the, the foundation uh, that, that we talked about. And we'll use some other Scriptures. But in Mark chapter 3, Jesus ministers to this man who has the withered hand. Now, last week we used one of the other gospel accounts. And remember what I, for those of you who are here, one of the things that I said is we saw in the, in the, in fact, we'll read the first part of it and then I'll make the comments. Mark chapter three, verse one. And he entered the synagogue and a man was there who had a withered hand. Uh, so they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. What was what was bigger? To, what was a bigger issue to him? Healing the man or the Sabbath? They, they, they're more concerned about the Sabbath. They couldn't care less about the man. They couldn't care less about his condition. They couldn't care less about the fact that he's struggling in life and, and he's in this condition. Could they? You know, all that they were all they concerned about is whether he's going to do it on the Sabbath or not. What, what kind of what kind of coldness have you got to reach? And you know what? It's amazing how religion can actually make us quite cold and hard toward people. To where people would rather pr protect their, what, what they view as their religious position at the expense of people. Now, the whole heart of the Father, the whole heart of what Jesus came as people. And the compassion that he was moved with when, uh, sorry about the disturbances. <laughs> One of the benefits of having church in a house is you get a little dog in the, in the room and all kinds of things going on too. We don't mind disturbances around here, do we? Okay. <laughs> okay. But notice this, they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, not so that they could rejoice, not so that they could say, oh, look what God's doing. Wow, somebody's life just got changed. They're watching so that they can accuse mm, yeah, yeah. because it offends their religious position that God touches someone's life. Isn't that awful? Yeah. Sometimes we've got to really watch out what is actually offending our, our religious position. Mm. You know, it's amazing. I've, I've, I, you know, people sometimes, Christians, talk about their righteous indignation. Ever heard, well, you know, I'm angry at their, their. And I'm, I'm like, sometimes what people refer to as their righteous anger is just their plain old fleshly anger. <laughs> Ain't no righteous anger about it. It's just their flesh being hard about some things and pride. And we're using Christianity as a basis for our hardness toward people and judgmental attitudes. Okay? You know what? I'm jumping ahead of myself. Can anyone quote to me the fruit of the Spirit? They're all going to be in different versions, so we'll have different ways of saying it. Love, joy. Let's go slowly. Love, joy, peace, patience, or long-suffering. Sorry, what was that one? Kindness. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Kindness. No. Okay, let's keep going. Love, joy, peace, 
Gentleness. Gentleness. Yeah, that's not very common, is it? That's not very common. <laughs> not very common at all. What happened to the kindness and the gentleness? Where did the kindness and the gentleness go? <laughs> yeah. Do you know that those are fruit of the spirit? Uh, you know, there's a scripture in Galatians six. I, I, I'm jumping around a bit, but 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 I'm going somewhere with this. Galatians six, which talks about if your brother brother is caught in a trespass. You who are, does anyone know, spiritual, get hard and harsh on him and drive him. And, no. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, or some translations say gentleness. Whatever happened to that? No, it's gone, hasn't it? It's gone. Where's the gentleness gone and how we deal with someone who's in a difficult situation? Or brother, where's it gone? We, To some degree, I believe we've become quite hardened with things. We feel it's our right to be the judges of everybody, but where's all the gentleness gone? How we deal with someone. And how we deal with people. Actually, like I said, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but look at this in, 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 in the Pharisees. So they, they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he, look at, notice what, what happens here with Jesus. And when he had looked around at them with anger. It was Jesus. Mm. And here's, here's a quick thought. So, what kind of things actually angered Jesus? The hypocrisy. Did he get angry at the woman caught in adultery? No. Was he angry at at, at the, the the man on the on on the cross next to him? No. What, what angered him? Religious hardness. Religious hardness angered him. That had that had far bigger effect upon Jesus. People say, well, I'm, not, I'm just like Jesus going to go into the, the temple with the whip. And I'm going to go down and do that with all the sinners. He wasn't doing it to the sinners. He was doing it to the religious people. <laughs> okay. And like I said last week, before he ever brought a whip into the temple, he wept over Jerusalem first. But actually, what what is bothering Jesus here? To be honest, I think part of what's bothering, this is my personal opinion. I try to not preach opinion, but in this instance, I'm just going to, I'm qualified to say it's my personal opinion. I personally think Jesus is not very impressed that they are misrepresenting his father. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I can't prove it out of the scripture. I think that's what's bothering Jesus here. Yeah. It's one of the things. But he looks at, at them, uh, <laughs> He looked around at them with anger. Notice the next phrase, being grieved. These are some strong terms. Yeah. Grieved mm-hmm. at what? At the fact that their Sabbath got bothered. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Sabbath was important. I'm not saying the Sabbath wasn't important. You know, yeah. But what's actually bothering him? He's, he's angry, being grieved mm-hmm. by the hardness. Of their hearts. Hardness. Hardness. We, we need to be careful sometimes that uh, hardness doesn't set in. In our protection of religious things. You also change their control. Because they were controlling people to listen to Jesus. Yeah. Okay. It's control. Yeah. 
there's all kinds of things in this passage. And, and, and this is why, and some of it I talked about last week, Jesus, you know, they saw this man healed. The next thing, the next thing um, they do, I didn't read this far, is they, they, they leave to go and plot how they may kill him. The man just been touched by the power of God. How hard can you get? This man's in need. It's like it's like the other passage, and I quoted this one last week. It's like the the woman bowed over with the spirit of infirmity. She's been in that condition what eighteen years, and she she's she she comes into the the, the on the Sabbath again. <laughs> on it comes into the 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 not the temple. I think it was the synagogue on the Sabbath, and. Jesus sees her, calls her to him, heals him. One encounter with Jesus, her life's changed forever. She's healed. And the, and the, the ruler of the synagogue, who in, in our setting would be the pastor. Yeah? He's, he's the head of the church in that area. The ruler of the synagogue there. It's, he's, been, he's been this woman's ruler of the synagogue probably all her life. People didn't necessarily move as much as they did those days, like we did these days. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Maybe, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm assuming that, but there's a good chance she's been in that synagogue all her life. And instead of rejoicing that this woman who is in pain, crippled over and struggling, that her life is touched, he gets angry and he answers Jesus with indignation. There's a coldness, there's a hardness about him. Why? No value for people. They're more interested in protecting their religious position than in the value of a person and God touching their lives. Mm. This is something we we, we really need to protect against because you know what? We can become hard as well. It's possible to become hardened with truth. You protect your truth but truth must be balanced with an understanding of the mercy and love and compassion of, of, of God. People can become so hardened, uh, even you know, leaders, individual Christians, hardness can develop. Now, hard-heartedness in the Bible is never is not a good thing. Jesus dealt with it. They were hard toward God. They were hard toward you know all kinds of things. And I, we could go, I've done other studies on hardness of heart, but here. I personally believe the hardness is being reflected in their attitude toward people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a coldness and an instant, he has another word, insensitivity to people. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we've got to guard against. I don't ever want to get like that, do you? God, I don't believe, I don't believe God, God wants that. And like I said, it, 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 Jesus actually was angry at and upset with it. We can become so hardened to the condition that people in that all we see is what they're doing wrong. Yeah. And all, all that they're doing is what doesn't line up with our beliefs. Mm-hmm. And all that they're doing doesn't line up with how we think they should be behaving. Mm-hmm. Is that how Jesus saw people? Mm-hmm. When it says he looked over at the crowd, does it say he saw all their faults? Mm-hmm. What did he see? He was moved with compassion and he saw sheep without a shepherd. Do you see? He had a completely different perspective to us. We look at people and we see what they're doing wrong. We point out their faults. They're accused. Who were the fault finders in the Bible? 
I'm talking. I believe I'm talking to the converted. You guys are good-hearted people. I believe that. But you know what? I wanted the kind of environment where people can come in in whatever condition they're in, and they don't feel judged, and feel looked down upon. I've said this for years, and I'm going to keep saying it. I think a healthy church should have some people in it who look like they just walked off the street. Yes. <laughs> it's not just a cozy place with all our ties and suits. Not that we're wearing them in the house yet. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, it's amazing how we can become so protective of the externals mm. that actually when someone walks in who doesn't fit the externals, mm. everyone's judging them. Mm. I've said this for years. It doesn't, see, you know, it doesn't surprise me that some people don't come to church. We just say, oh, there's just a spirit of antichrist across the whole planet. They're all just antichrist. I like to say it this way. It's one thing if people reject Jesus because they're genuinely rejecting Jesus. It's another thing if they're rejecting Jesus because they've met a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And we've put them off. And our hardness and our attitude sometimes, it, we've got to protect against this. We don't want this. I don't want today to come across as a hard message. I want this actually, I, I want us to really capture something. And think. Okay? You know, if every time someone walked through this door, and I don't just mean this as in the door for the church, <laughs> the living room, the lounge, I just mean just as an example. If every time someone walked through this door, this big giant hammer kind of came, spun around and smacked them in the face. Every time, whacked them in the face. Do you know what would start to happen? They'll probably stop coming in that door. Okay, <laughs> They'll either stop coming in the door or they'll duck. They'll come in with their guard up, ready to be hit. Why do you think so many, so, so many non-Christians either don't come to church or when they do, they come up with their guard up? Because we've whacked them over the head every time they come in. Can I share something? Because yeah, you can do. <laughs> years ago, we, we were going through very, very severe problems. But I mean, I can't even describe how bad it was. And we'd go to church wanting God. We'd even confide in pastors. Then the pastors would tell other people what they'd mm. said. Then we'd have to leave the church. Then we'd get called church hoppers. Then we'd go to the next church. And then the pastor that was at that church mm. told that pastor what we'd done wrong. Mm. And then we got judged there. So then we'd move. Yeah, it's not a good thing when the pastor's the biggest gossip in the church. <laughs> and it's, it's a horrible thing when you're not accepted. Yeah. I know because yeah. I've been there. Yeah. You're not accepted because, you know, you might be a different, you might have to... Like my problems are too big. People couldn't handle them. But that's not the point, mm -hmm. is it? No. You know, we've got to show some love and yeah. compassion to people. And, yeah. you know, the church has done us a lot of damage. But yeah. thank God we didn't get put off. Yeah. <laughs> but, thank know, God, so, yeah. But so many people have been. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm just struck by this story. This is what some of the, what he was saying is even in line with what I... Mm -hmm. This isn't... I'm not, like, kind of teaching this quite how I intended to. But I'm, but I'm sharing some things just about it that I, I, I want us to pause and think. What are we going to do when some guy walks in you know, with satanic crosses all over him? Pray. <laughs> are we all going to go around and duck around the corner and devil I blind you, devil I blind you? Because I can tell you this, you'll probably be aware of that. Okay. Especially when people aren't Christians and you know they're not Christians, mm -hmm. how can you expect them to be? You can't yeah, be Christian, yeah. exactly. That's <laughs> it. I, I That's think it's it. different when they're Christians and they're calling them. I'd rather yeah. the guy with the satanic cross be sitting in here. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because this is where he's going. But, but what environment yeah. should, is, should he find? Love Hardness, I mean, love. love. I mean, that's what I say to on Thursday at our group. I said, isn't it amazing how. 
um, all the sinners loved they were Jesus. Yeah, they, that's it. The, they didn't, you know, yeah. they flocked to him. Yeah. Why did the sinners come to Jesus? Yeah. Here's a question for you. How is it they were all around you, right? How is it they were all around Jesus? But when we get around, nobody wants to come around us. Exactly. And it's something as well that I've said for years. If we are genuinely the body of Christ, if we are genuinely reflecting Jesus, how come sinners don't respond to us the way they responded to him? Something is wrong. They know that you don't touch that. Yeah. Why did they want to be around Jesus? Why did they come be around Jesus? If they were constantly finding a hard, judgmental, religious attitude from him, do you think they would want to have been around him? Now, Jesus didn't compromise the truth. He didn't not give them truth. The woman caught in adultery, loved her. To be honest with you, I think he showed her respect. What? But sorry, let me say this. But at the end, he said to her, don't go and sin no more. He didn't say, oh, it's okay. It's all right. Do it. He gave her truth. You can give people truth and still love them and, and, and show them a genuine heart and attitude. Show them the common. Some people, you know, the church has a habit of getting into one of two extremes. Christ, any religion. Mm-hmm. Either we get so lovey that we just never tell people the truth and we, we accept everything. I remember one minister says, we, you know, there's two ditches with most truths, not just in this area. You can get in the ditch on the one side, and sometimes we go from the ditch on the one side straight over the road and straight into the ditch on the other side, trying to, trying to, because we, we repel against one thing and we end up on the ditch of the other. So sometimes in this area, I think we, churches are either so loving that they, what they term as loving, that they, lo- they won't correct people, they won't give people truth, they're just in the ditch and they just accept anything goes. But then they go straight over to the ditch to the other side where there's a hardened, judgmental, everything gets judged and everything's hard against. We've got to learn how to find the middle of the road where we can still give people truth, but still do it with love, mercy and compassion and tenderness and not hard heartedness. Once when I was on the street, I met this um, girl. She like really looked hard and gothic and she had piercings and piercings and studs and things all all over her. And I started to talk to her, and you know, she was the most sweetest, mm-hmm. beautifulest little girl. Yeah. And she even said that she prayed every night. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, they because people appearance. by their appearances. Yeah. Appearance was nothing like what she was like. I'd love to have a church of people dressed for, dressed, you know, like they're not because that's the, what I'm into or that, that, that they've got to be dressed like that. But, but why should it all be looking perfect and holy? Yeah. What our appearance of it? I said, I'd rather have an environment where it looks like a guy was on drugs last night and he stumbled into the church door just because something inside of him cried out. I'd rather have that. I'd rather have some guy who stinks of alcohol. I'd rather have that. Because then you can love those people and show them the love of God and see a a transformed life. I'd rather have someone, things piercings coming out, tattoos, colored hair. I mean, you know, we get uncomfortable. Ooh, don't sit close, too close to me. Deal with that religious demon. <laughs> okay? This whole don't, you know what? You see someone coming to this place who stinks of alcohol, please go sit next to them. Yeah. <laughs> Love them. Yeah. Yeah. No. When somebody comes like this into their church, then everybody kind of knows that their spurs are hurting these people, and they're scared that the spurs are going to come into them. These are Christians. We've been in situations like that. But the Christians are afraid that... They're afraid of those... Yeah, they're, they're, they're afraid that the spirit that's in this person, if they come here or touch them, they'll just they'll receive the spirit. <laughs> oh, and they're so unstable they are. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know what? I, I remember, I, I can't remember if I've told this story and I will, but, but if I have, forgive me. But I remember years ago I was in a church and uh, I, I mean, it was those were in the days I wore my suit and my tie and I was all, you know, I was trained to, in ministry that you wear your tie and everything. I was all dressed up and I had a nice suit on. And I wasn't the main preacher. I was one of the ministers in the church. And, and this guy came in who, who, I mean, he smelled bad. I'm not just a not just a vague smell of him. I mean, you could smell him from the opposite side. It was that bad. Now, the first thing is which broke my heart is when I came into the church, I noticed he'd come in. It was a midweek service, and, and he was sitting on a chair, and around him was this big circle of empty chairs. No one would sit near the guy. How do you make? How do you think it makes him feel? Okay. And people say, "Well, I don't want to sit next to that. Maybe you should sanctify your nose a little bit and, and walk in love." <laughs> Put up with sitting next to that stench to show that guy that he's valuable to God. Okay. Now, I'm not saying this to boast on me, but I, after the service, I was talking to this guy. I, I was chatting with him and, and we, I was standing close, having a good conversation, talking with him. And yeah, he stank. It was my, going to put my flesh down. It was hard. Okay. And I remember at the end of the conversation when he was, he was, you know, going to wander off or something. And I just said, you know, I said, and I asked him, I said, would you mind if I just give you a hug? And you know what? He started crying. And he looked at me and he said, why? And he, he commented on my suit. He says, you're in a suit. Why would you hug me? I said, I don't care. I said, it's not about my suit. So come, I'll give you a hug. And it just touched. He, he, he wanted the hug. He just gave him a hug and showed him the love of God. You know what? That can make such an impact upon people's lives. But this is the kind of environment I want us to have. But sometimes it's so easy to become so sanctimonious and so holy and so righteous and so holy than thou. <laughs> we don't want that, do we? Mm -hmm. But notice this. Go to, go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Verse 17, 18, and 19. I don't even think I'm going to get very far at all in what I've preached. I am actually planning... I've got it in my notes for today, but I probably won't even get there. But I've got, I wanted to look at some of the things about those fruit of the spirit, gentleness and kindness. Okay. And we probably get to that in that later week. Um, I, you know, we, we cover whatever we need to in one week and think if things get put onto another, that's fine. You know, but Ephesians four, verse 17, 18 and 19. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of god because of the ignorance that is in them now notice this phrase because of the blindness of their heart here's the interesting thing the word translated blindness here is the same greek word used in mark 3 the hardness of their heart okay the hardness now he's telling us don't be like this but notice the next notice the next phrase because of the blindness or the hardness of their heart, verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to etc. etc. Okay. What do you think the phrase being past feeling? That's what my translation says. Does, do you all say something similar? Yeah. Loss of sensitivity. I wonder if the hard heartedness is connected to the loss of sensitivity. <laughs> being past feeling that word i looked it up i'm not a greek expert like chris over here but um i, I i've got i can at least look up a, chris, a, a, a strong's dictionary okay but it means some of these are some of the meanings of that word it means to cease to feel pain or grief 
It's not just talking about your own pain. Okay? It means to become callous. Insensitive to pain. Apathetic. I had to look up what apathetic means. Okay? And part of what apathetic means is uncaring, indifferent. Okay? Someone who who has an absence of interest or concern. Do we want to be like that? No. Do you think that's the heart of the Father? No. Do you think that's that's when God looks at the earth, do you think he has this cold, apathetic, distant, no, no feeling? No. When Jesus looks over at the crowds, he's moved with compassion, he saw the needs. Mm. I said this last week. When he saw, you know, what motivated him to feed the 5,000 or you feed the crowd? Was it because he said, I want to show everybody how great I am. Look at me, what I can do. Or did he just see hungry people? Yeah. And he was moved with compassion. The, the miraculous activated. It's amazing how many people want a miracle to happen, but they can't even have compassion on the person with the need. Yeah, do you know what? Compassion, I believe, will activate the miraculous. Doesn't the Bible say faith works by love? Yeah. Faith works. It, it becomes operational. What causes it to kick into action. People, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to become so hardened with my, the word and my faith and all of this. We really need to capture what the real love of God is and keep the central, keep it so valuable and it's central to how we function. We see somebody with a need. I'm not saying walk around crying at every need you see, you know, okay? But at least, you know, not be able to just look at someone callous and, and just not see, you know, when they're hurting and suffering. You know what, sometimes, I, 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 I personally believe this. I think if we would really capture compassion, you'd probably see the gifts of the Spirit activating more in your life when you're walking around on the streets. You see someone in a condition and love just begins to rise up on you for that person. Instead of just walking past with a coldness, what, what what's the story of the good good Samaritan? Okay, the man the man's on the ground in need. That could be in a different setting. That could be a sick person. That could be a a, a person in another condition. He's been beaten up. He's been robbed. He's lying there on the ground. What does the priest do? Cold, unmoved, means nothing to him. He just walks straight past that without even budging an eyelid. Now, you know, yeah, the Good Samaritan, he got in, he practically helped him. But look at the coldness of the people who just walked past. Mm -hmm. Is that how our father is? I'm really glad God did not look out at this earth and say, who cares? <laughs> who really cares? <laughs> but actually something inside of him drove him to do something. Isn't this, isn't this? an important part of the heart of Christianity yeah. to not be hardened or callous or insensitive and hard to people, mm. you know, and an insensitive person, I was looking up definitions of this. An insensitive person is someone who shows little care, concern or respect for the feelings and needs of others. Now, I could have put that in different words, but I thought that's a good, good, good thing. Mm. When we look at people, do we just see where they're wrong? Do you see a precious person who needs a touch from God? Mm -hmm. 
is my role to just correct them in everything. And I mean, I don't mean my role even as a minister, I mean, as, a, as just as a Christian. Now, we want to help people on the right path. But sometimes, sometimes love opens the door to be able to feed them truth. Again, and, 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 and so much in my heart that I'm not even getting a lot to my notes. Okay. But I mentioned it just now that woman caught in adultery. I can't remember if I've said this to you guys before as well. But the woman's caught in adultery. And um, I'm not convinced the Bible or the Bible says she was caught in the act. Yeah. Now, I know some people think maybe she was set up. You personally begin to wonder, where's the guy? <laughs> was she the only one? But if they caught her in the act, you, you, why did they stone them? What's the purpose of public stoning? Shame, humiliation, and then death. It's, it's, it's an intentionally humiliating death. Yeah, they didn't just stab around the corner when no one looking. They dragged around in public. So if their intention was to shame her, to publicly humiliate her, do you think when she was caught in the act of adultery, they let her grab some clothes on the way out the door? I was just thinking that. I bet she's still naked. Exactly. Yeah. Why do you think mm. Jesus stooped on the ground and started writing on the ground? Because mm. a gentleman won't look at a naked woman like that. Is Jesus trying to shame her? I've had people come up with all doctrinal theological reasons. I've even had people say to me, what was Jesus drawing on the ground? I'm like, who cares if we needed to know the Bible would tell us. What you're seeing there is somebody who can treat someone with respect even when she's caught in sin. Does that show the heart of Jesus? He won't look up at her. Is he trying to shame her? Is it important to her that, she, that, that she's humiliated? He shows her respect before he corrects anything about what she's doing. He doesn't go in there all guns, guns blazing like they did. Their hardness not only wanted to humiliate her, but wanted to hurt her. That's hard. That's cold. That's, that's what religion easily gets to. It's amazing. Even, even whatever group of Christian you want to use some, you know, some modern, wonderful, great group of Christians. I don't want to name names and churches and point fingers or whatever. We can all get like this. doesn't matter. You know, sometimes we point fingers at, oh, they're the traditional church. And then we think, we're, we're, you know, we're whatever, charismatic, whatever you want to call it, Pentecostal or the, we're the excited bunch. We're the, we can, you know, oh, we're free and praising God, but we'll throw a stone at someone who's done wrong just as quickly. <laughs> Just with the gentleman heard Danny uh, when he came into the house of prayer, and uh, somebody said, uh, We need to go over and pray, you know, cast the devil out of him. We need to rebuke Satan while he's in the room. And, uh, and I just remembered saying that we don't need to rebuke Satan, you just need to stop behaving like him. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say you you said to the Christian, yeah, come here. I rebuke. Yeah. Himself, yeah. he feels it that how he's living his life mm. isn't right, yeah. and he doesn't need us jumping all yeah. over. Yeah. Just let him sit down 
we'll get him a cup of coffee. And if he stays more than five minutes, <laughs> we've done all right. Yeah. And if he comes back yeah. and stays 10 minutes next time, he's seeing something real big. Right. And it was a thing of us said, when he comes here as the prodigal, we want him to meet the father, mm -hmm. not the older brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, somebody, was it, was it Caroline? You shared something on Facebook. I saw... I was going to quote that, and I'm glad you mentioned that because you shared something on Facebook this this week that said, "What if the prodigal had yeah. met the older brother first when he was coming back to the house? What if he was the first person he came into contact with? Let's not be the older brother, yeah. But you know what? It's possible to become hardened in our Religion, really, Christianity. Yeah. How are we supposed to be? Look at this. Let's look. In fact, actually, before you do, I'm going to finish soon. I said I won't teach too long because we've had other things. But I want to go to this one quickly. Luke 9. Most of you are probably familiar with this one, but I want to mention this one as well. Luke 9. I think it's I think sometimes we've got to hear messages like this. Yeah. Because actually, if we're gonna if we're gonna fulfill the Great Commission, if we're gonna see the precious fruit of the earth, mm -hmm. we actually really need to stir up our love for love for that for those people. Mm -hmm. Do what kind of ministry do we have? We're ambassadors for Christ, and he has given to us the ministry of judgment. Now, what do you think the Ministry of Reconciliation looks like? <laughs> reconciliation see, has to do with the bringing together, the restoration, the fixing of relationship. What kind of heart do you think is involved in reconciling people? Do you think a hard, judgmental, drive them away is going to reconcile anybody? <laughs> no. That's why I'm convinced, and I'm going to say it again, and another, I heard a minister say this words to this effect, and I said it earlier. I'm convinced the reason many Christian, many non Christians will never come to church is because they've met a Christian. Yeah. Don't you think it's time they meet a different type of Christian? Yeah. Gandhi said, once it met Gandhi, he went to South Africa yeah. on mm -hmm. pilgrimage, and uh, he came back and he said, uh, the Christian Bible is the the bible that makes the most sense to me mm -hmm. uh, he said everything i read in it i like it and he said that he said today i would be a christian yeah. if it wasn't for the christian yeah mm -hmm. does, does that sound like the enemy has managed to work a strategy and he's used our own religious I, can't even, I don't even know the right words for it. Just ungodly religious attitudes. Off. This is why I said at the start, it might not have made as much sense, but I think a lot of what people call their righteous indignation is nothing but their hardened flesh. Mm. <laughs> there is a type. Jesus got angry. There is a place. There is a type where he got that. But he didn't get angry at a lot of the times at the things we think we're getting, we should be getting angry at. Mm. This is where the difference is. Okay. And also, there's a massive lack of dis uh, discipleship in the church. Isn't yeah. It? I think, yeah. you know, it's, it's one thing, you know, it's it's fine when people come in and they're, they're not walking with the Lord and they're, they're messed up and they need fixed. 
but then they do need to be transformed. You know, there has yeah. to be a process yeah. where they oh, can, yeah. and, and I think there's not an awful lot of discipleship. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that for my own yeah. life, you know, I, I've had yeah. to work it out over 40, old, 40 it's 50 years. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not because I was taught <coughs> yeah. how to walk yeah. in yeah. life. Not yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. if only there was more discipleship yeah. where people could yeah. actually be taught how to actually yeah. be, be walk in, in the Christian faith, yeah. you know, not not in a religious way, but how do you just how do you just do it how you yeah. know what does it mean to be a christian that's and right. how to yeah. walk it out that's right there's got to be there's got to we, we do want people to grow and change and god the word of god the spirit of god will change mm. people and, yeah. and then they can yeah. grow and, and and change not just the day they become a christian and change something but they they can be changes mm. in areas and growth of course well, as you mentioned yeah. as, as long as they, they walk into the church yeah that means something you know there's somebody yeah. the lord bring him there yeah so your heart to just turn yeah. over me yeah. Oh. yeah yeah that's exactly yeah. it that's the first i think the pillar of christianity you know yeah. none of us do anything without him guiding yeah. us through life so if god guides somebody to come to the church yeah and oh. that's it you know mm-hmm. as a christian we need to honor it yeah, yeah. we need to if is if we say that's in conflict we have to complete it in his way yeah yeah, that's right. And this is, this is this is this is why it's so important that we challenge ourselves about what kind of environment people are going to come into. Don't wait for the person to come in and then be driven away and not come back for us to pause and think. Let's create the right environment in the first place. Let's capture the heart of God and the compassion. Amen. Let me let me read this in Luke nine. Now it came to pass when the t- verse fifty one. It came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him. Who didn't receive him? So they rejected Jesus. Well, that that's, I mean, the moment someone rejects Jesus, that gives us really good cause to criticize them. We should come down hard on them then because they rejected Jesus. Yeah? That seemed to be what James and John thought. Did James and John, in their mind, have valid reason for what happened next? Because yeah. what happens next? They did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? So what, what, what did James and John want to do to these people? Judge them? See them destroyed? Well, they rejected Jesus. That's a you know that's a valid reason to see them destroyed. <laughs> no, not in Jesus' eyes, but in James and John's eyes. See, be very careful when feelings arise inside of you that want to see people destroyed for what they've done. Um, when his disciples, verse fifty-four, James and John saw this. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Now notice this. They're even using scripture to back up their position. They're quoting Elijah. They're even, they're, they're acting spiritual. We can call fire down. That's a manifestation of the power of God. In their eyes, they think that the, the power of God's going to back their judgmental hard heart. And they think they've got scriptural backing for it. Did Jesus say to them, wow, I'm so impressed. This is, I've been wanting you guys to step into the power of God. 
<laughs> did Jesus did Jesus say, well, finally, we have more prophets amongst us? What does he say to them? You don't know what spirit you're of. Yeah. You don't know what manner of spirit. What, what, what spirit were they operating by? Is that the spirit of God? This is, this is what we've got to be. This is what we've got to realize. Yes, we want people to receive Jesus. Yes, we represent truth. I've I got a heart to defend the word of God. It's the core of what God's called me to do is to, 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 to focus on the, 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 the truth of the word in people's lives and to draw people back to the truth of what the word says. I mean, I, I, you know, I want that. But actually our heart, how we do it, the, mm-hmm. the man, if it's coming across hard and judgmental. You know, there's scriptures in the New Testament which talk about being tender-hearted, kind. And these are important. Amen? So I'm going to end there because we've, we'll bring it to a quick crash landing. And some of this we're going to talk about. Because I actually want to talk about some of those characteristics in the coming weeks of the, the fruit of kindness. What gentleness is. What it is to do something in the spirit of gentleness. Because I think sometimes these get thrown by the wayside in Christianity easily these days. We don't hear about as much about them. But actually, some of them are they're fruit of the spirit. They should they should function in our lives. And we look at how Jesus ministered. He did a lot of things he did in a lot of wisdom and gentleness. Amen. So anyway, just a bit of food to thought. I kind of I think I've probably preached that a little bit more than taught it today. But just to think about it, because the, the kind of environment I want. Is the kind of place where lives get changed. Yeah. We rejoice about it. We're not just trying to judge and criticize and condemn and accuse. Amen. But of course, we want people walking in truth. I'm not saying we 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 we, we compromise that at all. Amen. All right. Let's. Uh...